0: Okay, what about, like, Vulture in Spider-Man? I like that. I mean, I think we could talk about Homecoming a little bit, coming out of Civil War. Okay. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. My name's Peter Spider-Man. Peter
1: Spider-Man. Of the Bronx Spider-Man's. I actually don't know where Peter Barker's from. Is he from the Bronx? He's
0: from Queens. Queens! You don't know that? Boys and girls, your attention please, presenting a new exciting radio program, faster than an airplane, more powerful than a locomotive, impervious to bullets.
1: Hello and welcome to the Thought Bubble, a podcast about comics and comics-adjacent culture. I'm Joanna Robinson.
0: And I'm Dave Gonzalez.
1: If you're just joining us for the first time, we're here to answer your questions about all things comics. Dave here is our so-called expert, and I'm your friendly neighborhood novice. But this podcast is meant for comics lovers of all levels. If Dave wants to go in-depth or spoilery about a particular answer, he'll do so in our advanced section that comes at the end of each episode with ample warning. so don't worry. If you have a question for us, please shoot us an email at bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com. You can find all of our old episodes at fightinginthewarroom.com slash comics. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. It's Wednesday, April 20th. This is issue number 39. Hello, Dave. Hello. We are living in a world where you have seen... Our newest Spiderman, Pete Spiderman, on screen.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, I have. Um, he's, he's not I... as Jewish as you would think,
1: <laughs> with a name like Pete Spiderman. Yeah. Uh, so this is Tom Holland, uh, not to be confused with the historian Tom Holland. And
0: yes, a lot of that's a lot of people are going to get confused about that. <laughs> people are going to be funny. like, I didn't know that Marissa Tomei was related <laughs> to historian Tom Holland in a fictional universe.
1: <laughs> the, uh the Empire podcast, the British podcast that I listen to, they say that every single time they bring up his name. And so I think they're just, I don't know, more educated than we are. That that it's an actual real worry that British historian Tom Holland might be confused for young actor Tom Holland.
0: Well, in the sense just- that I didn't know who he was uh, until I saw it, I could see that like, maybe somebody... Uh, no, I don't know. I don't think that's going to nope. happen. No, it, it'll never happen. Okay,
1: so Dave has seen Captain America, colon, Civil War. I have. And he's here to talk about it, but not, we promise, in a spoilery way. We, we've we had a deep conversation about this. Uh, Dave is ready to get us ready to see Civil War. He was wrong about a lot of things. He was. But right about some other things. So Dave, what do you want to say in a non-spoiler way to get us amped for Captain America Civil War, which doesn't come out till May 4th, is
0: it? Uh, May 6th. Six? May 6th. There you go. Yeah, except if you live in the UK, then you get it the Friday before that. So... Ooh. Whoop-de-doo. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. How do best... Uh, what did I wish somebody had told me going into this movie? Um you don't have to worry about like some of the bloat that uh, like concerned people, uh, myself included, uh, in Avengers Age of Ultron, even though you have basically all the characters who made it through that adventure uh, coming back, including uh, we start the movie, and the Avengers team is the same as at the very end of that movie. So, um, but like in terms of... Uh, Thor, what, where Thor went or where the Hulk is or like the condition of S.H.I.E.L.D. or anything that has to do with Inhumans or, you know, robots because Tony Stark's going like mad with power. All those things are sort of just taken as character lessons and uh, all we really sort of have to re- remember from that movie is that, you know, Sokovia went south and uh, the vision was created and it's very refreshing uh, to have like a Marvel movie that is able to uh, like stand on its own terms in terms of it, because uh, other ones sort of need to take a moment and do a plot download from the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe. Ever since Iron Man two, uh, you have like an Infinity Stone, or you have like a backstory, or you have like a monologue that you know goes over a montage. These things have like become little crutches of the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, and this movie doesn't need that because it has all of these characters uh, that you know from the previous twelve, I believe, uh, Marvel movies uh, that have come from previously. Wow! Years. Wow! Yeah, you don't need to know that much uh, from Incredible Hulk, uh, but or Guardians of the Galaxy. But I think like issues from every other one is sort of touched upon ever so briefly. Uh, but because we know all these characters, the movie sort of takes them, gives each of them an arc, uh, Bucky, Captain America, and Iron Man sort of have the main three, uh, but everybody gets to, you know, complete their own little story motion. And, uh, because of that, it feels like, I don't know, I don't want to say this in like an exciting, like get too excited way, but, like, the Empire Strikes Back of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Wow. Where, like, things end and are now uncertain, and I feel like there now could be 12 more movies about this Fallout. Um, And it's weird because, like, the new characters end up being this, like, having some of the stronger uh, scenes that, like, stick out in your memory, even if they don't have gigantic, memorable character arcs. So Ant-Man, Spider-Man, Black Panther, all feel like they show up enough, even though they're not any of our featured trio that sort of make up the titular Civil War. Uh, Yeah, I guess if I were to say one thing for people that want to, you know, make sure they're up to date on their knowledge going in, uh, don't bother reading any comics. They're not pulling from any comic storylines that I could tell in here. There might be minor allusions to them, and, like, the raft shows up Uh, That's like code for people who know. But we already knew that from the trailers. So I think you're pretty much done if you need to do any comic uh, research. And uh, um, yeah, no, I think that's it. I think uh, Civil War is going to play really well to, I think, general audiences because it's so much superhero fun and it manages to contain itself uh, within like a movie that makes sense because we spend so much time with all these characters it sort of makes sense why each one's on each side. So when they come together for their big climactic like battle at the airport, which is actually like in the middle of the movie, um it becomes like this really fun exercise in both action cinema and like very small storytelling steps. And then when it, you know, brings it all home, Uh, You'll be surprised that it's not like above a floating city or with a whole bunch of magical projection robots or 15,000 super soldiers, Uh, but it manages to, you know, bring a single film story to a single film's conclusion while sort of opening up the series as a whole.
1: So, a couple things I want to talk about. First of all, I'm, you know, your positive review and a couple other people that we know gave me a positive review. It made me really enthusiastic for a movie that I was worried about after not really liking Ultron that much. Um, and what's interesting to me is this is the Russo's second Marvel film, right? It was just Winter Soldier and then this?
0: Yes. Oh, that was my second thing. If you do want to prep, uh, we watch Winter Soldier because it picks up a lot of those threads and sort of expects you to have those fresh in your mind.
1: I was arguing with friends of mine about, you know, we were trying to rank them all the Marvel movies in order of greatness. And it's close, but I think Winter Soldier is my favorite uh, and then Avengers the second. And it's very close. But it's interesting to me because I'm such a diehard Whedon fan, and I'm such a huge believer in what Joss Whedon does with character. But the fact that the Russos made, I think, the best Avengers movie, and then um, were able to sort of make an Avengers team-up movie in this age of intersecting interests that is sounds like it's more coherent than Ultron, and I don't know if Joss is just, like, burned out or what. Like, it seems foolhardy to assign blame or praise to any individual director in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, knowing that there are so many forces at play. But the Russos, I don't want to, like, overestimate, but it seems like the Russos have the perfect blend of serviceable but not boring so that they can sort of smooth into the universe, but you know deliver a really tight fun story yeah, winter soldier just winter soldier just rewards rewatches it's just such it's a great film
0: anyway. what are you gonna say I mean I wasn't as hot on Winter Soldier as other people, so I would definitely put Avengers at the top of my list, but like there's interesting things like there's like such economy of character in this movie that I feel like uh, Age of Ultron was lacking. Um, Like, maybe because, I don't know, like a pouting at uh, Hawkeye's, you know, house, like, plays fine once, but, like, if I'm ever going to rewatch that movie, I'm like, oh, now they're at the house and feeling mopey for a while. Uh, This one, it, it, like, clips along fast enough that at least on my first rewatch or at my first watch I noticed, but it didn't bother me. Like once again, black widow doesn't have like a ton to do, but what she does do, she's awesome at. So even though, like, it doesn't make a ton of sense that she ends up on, like, Team Iron Man after in Winter Soldier basically going in front of Congress and saying, like, arguing the exact opposite point of Team Iron Man. Yeah,
1: that's my big question. I'm really curious to see. I mean, don't, you don't have to, like, spoil it or tell me, but I'm just curious to see how they make that
0: transition well it has a lot of this movie has a lot of beats at the very beginning that feel like an avengers movie so everybody's basically in a room and talking but instead of like partying or hanging out like josh whedon would have them do they're actually like you know debating avengers things which is what you want to see them to do because the stakes of this movie sets up that, you know that this powerful force that is going wherever it wants and like yeah saving us but also like demolishing buildings um so it's fun to see those interactions but like instead of being like a and in the sentence of all these characters, you feel like um, the ones that are introduced are introduced like fully formed. Like I don't need like a Black Panther or a Spider-Man origin story to want to know more about these characters or to feel like these characters have an interest in what they're doing in the story. And then uh, I'm also like interested to see where they left all the characters that are like uh, separated from the whole at the end, uh, one way or the other.
1: That was nice and oblique. Okay. So our, you know, this is where we're going to veer slightly to talk about a different movie, but also the same movie, which is we're going to talk about Spider-Man. Um, it was at CinemaCon, I believe, right. That they announced that Marvel announced or Marvel and Sony, Sony, Sony. announced uh, that the name of, The next Spider-Man film will be Homecoming, which is, you know, a double meaning in terms of Peter Parker coming back to Marvel jointly with with Sony, but also um, the fact that they're emphasizing a high school aged Peter Parker. So Homecoming obviously is a high school concept. And yeah, so there's a third one. Oh, what's the third one?
0: So, there's also a arc called Homecoming, which is Spider-Man coming home from the Secret Wars, and he has his Venom suit, but obviously they're not going to do that. But the whole idea of coming home after like a much larger battle and then having to deal with like Peter Parker sized problems will hopefully be carried over
1: right so he's coming home from the events of Captain America Civil War where he had to deal with the indignity of Tony Stark calling him under ruse uh that's all we know (laughs) um if we're not Dave uh to to this new film with Marissa Tomei and Michael Keaton that's right has he been confirmed
0: I don't think he's been confirmed.
1: in talks to possibly play the villain. Um, I saw a great, someone tweeted out, it was a photo of Rosemary Harris from the original Spider-Man, or the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, and then um, Sally Field from the Andrew Garfield and then Marissa Tomei, and it just says something about, like, Aunt May Benjamin buttoning her way through these movies, which is, uh, <laughs> the visual is, like, is pretty solid. Um, yeah, and that's, that's, what what else do we know, Dave, about this movie?
0: Uh, well, Mercedes Tomei's in uh, Civil War, so I can confirm that she is the youngest-looking Aunt May that we've had, and uh, it's interesting because we get to see where they're living. So there's a interior and a little bit about Peter Parker's lifestyle, which hints at like the sort of. Um, I guess mood this movie could potentially have especially if they're shooting for like a you know there's a maybe a vulture over here mcu cameo over here but mostly we're in high school dealing with high school things um i'm really looking forward to that because tom holland has found a tone for peter parker that would fit into that sort of movie like i'm I'm a fan of a well-executed high school, like, action comedy, I'm sure, like anybody else. But I, I wasn't looking forward to that description or from, or that execution from the cop car director until I sort of saw what <laughs> Peter Parker is actually going to be in uh, sort of, like, I don't know, the mood of Marissa Tomei as Aunt May, even though she gets, like, maybe two lines. What, but, um... Yeah, go ahead.
1: What is a high school action comedy? What that is like you a high enjoy? school action comedy that I <laughs> that enjoy? you enjoy? Yeah,
0: 20, 21 Jump Street. No, all right, uh, I don't, I don't know that Jump I that can jumps only think
1: mind. of uh, the Girl Next Door. <laughs> is the only one I could think of. Literally. Maybe just
0: high school movie. Maybe I just want a high school movie out of this yeah, because everything okay. that like jumped to my mind was like oh nineties high school movies, and I could totally see that happening. And like she's,
1: she's all that
0: yeah like a she's all that sort of thing I mean I, I would fluctuate. I would love the idea of this movie is actually about Peter Parker having to like deal with the school event of homecoming and you know now he's a super awesome superhero that has a Tony Stark spider suit Um, yeah I, there's something about the like jokey but innocent tone that they managed to find for this incarnation of Spider-Man that makes sense to be able to revisit some of those silver age stories where he has stupid teenager problems or my favorite issue of ultimate Spider-Man where he spends the whole time trying to get to the battle. And by the time he does, uh, Iron Man's already like wrapped up everything.
1: So like, <laughs> that's great.
0: That's yeah, great. it's, it's fantastic. All right. So that's, that's
1: Spider-Man. And what's the, what's the year? What's the date on homecoming? Next year. Next year. So soon. So we saw another Marvel um, preview this this last week. That we're going to wrap into another conversation. Um, So get your social justice warrior hats on. Uh, I always wear mine. So Um,
0: it's just your hair.
1: It's just my hair. (laughs) It's made of actually, it's made of tin foil. Anyway, so. Doctor Strange released a teaser, trailer, and we already knew that Tilda Swinton would be playing the character of the Ancient One, who is Asian in the comics, an Asian man in the comics, and she's playing him as sort of a, an androgynous neutral monk type figure is what we can tell from the trailer, but that the release of the Dr. Strange trailer, just a few days separating that. And the first image of Scarlett Johansson in ghost in the shell, um, has brought to the forefront something that people had already been talking about in terms of these white actresses playing these Asian roles. We talked about this a little bit with Iron Fist, so I think the circumstances are are significantly different. Um, oh, yeah, set,
0: set photos of those have also leaked out.
1: Oh, exciting.
0: Yeah, he's he's he looks like a white hippie guy, barefoot Is that why he-
1: is that why you had that beard on mm-hmm. the Game of Thrones premiere? Okay, good to know. So Loris Terrell will look very homeless as Danny Rand, I guess. Um, so, yeah, so um, I was excited about Tilda. I really was. I was excited that they swapped the gender of this character. And I think you and I had talked about maybe one of the reasons why they might have... Sh- have decided not to go with an Asian character is to avoid some of the problematic stereotypes. This is something that Marvel has encountered before, maybe casting Ben Kingsley, um, in Iron Man three, you know, to avoid some of the trappings of the stereotypes of Marvel comics that were written years and years ago. Let's just not make these characters Asian, but maybe there, there is a smarter way to do that. That also allows for a better Asian representation in these films. Um, without sort of leaning into stereotypes uh the last thing that i'll say and then you know the ghost in the shell thing we we've also talked about maybe not on here but we've definitely talked about it um when the announcement was first made um the japanese publisher has said that he did not have a problem that he never expected a japanese actress to be cast in this role and a bunch of people on twitter today were telling me that the character looks western which i mean she looks like an anime character she looks like a manga character like i'm not it that's i guess that is an argument you can make and you can make an argument that she is in and out of bodies and her brain is male and it's a bunch of different things but um at some point you're arguing me you're arguing loudly against asian representation in film so you know uh those are
0: my incoherent thoughts dave what are your more coherent thoughts um, I mean, I don't know about Ghost in the Shell. That just seems like a weirdly everything about that, and then the rumors that they tried to like do a CGI test just to like see if they could change actors in post.
1: Yeah, Paramount has denied that, but I've talked to the person who broke that story, and I I believe her.
0: So, well, it's like that stuff. That's <laughs> that's all bad, and that's just a tone deafness that's being reverbed off itself and you know that's not gonna get there
1: to be clear that scarlett johansson had no idea that they were doing that is the story the story scarlett johansson had had no part in this but that paramount asked a company to run some programs to try to make her appear more asian and then when the story broke they admitted that they did run programs but they claimed it wasn't on scarlett johansson they claimed it was on some background extra which is Strange, why would you do that? But the person who broke the story told me directly that, you know, I I I believe that it happened. So no matter what Paramount says. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I that that uh, I just seems yeah like weird responses uh, based out of fear. But the the Iron Fists and the marvel ones the marvel cinematic universe ones uh, being the ancient one and the mandarin i suppose really have just as much to do with selling things in china as it does with casting people for representation uh which i think somebody stumbled or people have stumbled across it's not like a hard thing to figure out uh, especially with iron man 3 they shot a whole other scene with the Chinese character that was only in the Chinese edition. So, like, obviously we're pandering to the second largest film market in the world uh, with our global properties. And uh, somebody tweeted at me an essay by somebody who was offended because uh, Doctor Strange removed Tibetan um, imagery. Because, you know, China wants to suppress Tibet, and I bet that's absolutely true. So there's reason to be pissed off about a lot of this. Um, and it's just, usually I'm not one to pick up the, the race bending's bad banner unless it's really egregious in a way that I can't understand, like the ghost in the shell, like CGI changing. But the Marvel stuff, it's just like a sad side effect from... Uh, Capitalism? Yeah, the way capitalism feeds into well I mean uh eh, because it's capitalism responding to a communist system. So just like the way people are controlled through the media they're allowed to see, I feel is going to, you know, it's not it's not To make anybody feel any less bad or sad about uh, Asian representation getting, like, knocked down with some of these, like, pinnacle characters that, you know, could have been reclaimed from their racist past. But it's, like, basically you're going to put, in order for there to be a proactive casting choice in this place, it puts, like, too many important people's, like, jobs at jeopardy for it to be a logically serious solution it's so
1: interesting because i know you to be like in some realms i mean this is not a political podcast but i know you to be in some realms more political than i am or more liberal than i am i would say and then but whenever we have this conversation and i'm like i'm the white person i mean i don't know if this is stupid to say but like it always surprises me when i like i find that we're usually on the opposite ends of this argument that i would expect us to be do you know that you're talking? I mean, maybe you're just talking from a more level-headed, rational point of view. But like, you're talking about capitalism, and uh, it, it it just feels like Marvel is big enough at this point. Let's let's just keep it in the realm of Marvel and leave the Ghost in the Shell out of it. It feels like Marvel's big enough at this point that they could do this without worrying so much. About the, the the Chinese box office I mean the Chinese box office is not to be you know spit at it's huge and plenty of films have been tailored
0: to appeal there
1: but wasn't didn't Deadpool not open in China
0: uh, I can't remember at least and in the South Asia it was heavily heavily censored when it was released
1: I think it didn't open at all in China let me see if I can figure it out and um and it did huge maybe i'm wrong yeah so it was ba- so deadpool was banned in china but that and i know that's not a marvel film but that's still considered like huge success huge box office success so every time someone's like well they do that for the chinese box office like i i understand that completely you can get a ton of money from that and there are ways in which to do it that you know like transformers Three is not a movie that I care about at all, but if you want to put cameos from famous Chinese people in there just to, like, a- appeal to the Chinese box office... Transformers 4. Okay, sorry, Transformers 4. Um, I, I, have, I have literally not seen a single Transformer movie. Um, if you want to do that, that's fine, but it, it, it troubles me when, you're, when someone's, like, a coward about an issue out of deference to the Chinese box office.
0: I mean... You mean I should be yelling at Marvel more? Than I'm not saying you're a
1: coward. Right? I'm not saying you're a coward at all. I'm saying I think Marvel's a coward. No, not that you should be. I mean, you yelling at, well, that's not true. You're you're a huge advocate of online pushback about issues people care about, right?
0: Yeah. And I mean, I would be really invested in this if I had, you know, like even more faith in Marvel that they would be able to construct like an asian character of tibetan past and not you know (laughs) jizz all over it with you know weird deference like i don't even uh, like when we're talking about movies that are product on a global scale it's it's like you know uh, i don't know it's like a cheeseburger or a big mac like if they can put like weird you know shit on top of it and sell it somewhere else great but if they can't sell the actual burger, they're just gonna swap it out with something like crazy patty shaped and still call it like a, the same products it's it's the the level okay, okay, so like um the thing that you're saying is cowardice is a company not proactively casting like the source material because they're scared of losing hundreds of millions of dollars.
1: I mean, if that's why Tilda Swinton was cast, if Tilda Swinton was cast. Okay. Well, okay. Here's what I'll say. Tell me why you think, and and we all agree that Tilda Swinton is an amazing actress and casting Tilda Swinton in your movie is just undoubtedly going to make your movie better. But, but you know, that aside, tell me why you think Tilda Swinton was cast in this role. I mean that, yeah, or why was, this role is white?
0: Why this role is white? Um, uh, for the same reason that I, I mean, it just can't. It can't be a Tibetan person. It can't be Tibetan mysticism,
1: and it can't be Tibetan mysticism because
0: China wouldn't allow that. Probably through be screen See, just.
1: and then so then that's cowardice, is it not? That's letting someone else's intolerance dictate your storytelling, right?
0: Sure. I mean, if it was like the screenwriter sitting down and being like, well, I really think that we got to be careful of Tibet, but it's not. There's all these links in the chain that don't give a shit about story.
1: Oh, sure. I mean, it's an organization. It's an organizational or an institutional cowardice or an institutional reverence for the bottom line over... You know representation in their film and and like
0: cowardice implies intent, I guess is what I'm saying, and <laughs> the intent gets lost when we're the intent is to make money, well,
1: then it's just a different yeah, well then, okay, sorry, cowardice maybe is too emotional the it's it's a different value system than what I would wish for uh in this company, this company that has so much money, a and b. You know, the other arm of which made this great Star Wars film with a, you know, a diverse, you know, cast. So, you know, the parent company, which made a bajillion dollars worldwide, right? So the parent company is is okay with embracing the future. And so Marvel has made this decision out of deference to the Chinese box office. And... Out of that, we will get a great and really interesting performance from Tilda Swinton. But we will also get another film go by where Asian people don't see themselves on the screen.
0: Yes. But, I mean, like, in that wording, every film that goes by is potentially a film that goes by that Asian people don't see themselves on the screen.
1: That's silly. Of course that's not true. Because, like, this has an opportunity for Asian representation on film.
0: Right. I'm saying you can't connect... I can't connect... Being faithful to the source material that was devised at, like, a different time in race relations to the financial decision to lose a bunch of money. Like, I don't think there's one well, person she, along the it? chain that has the power to say, like, no, you know what, we're going to do this.
1: We don't have to. We don't have to blame one person. We have to say it's Ike Promoter. We don't have to put a beating heart behind it. We can say it's an institution that decided. You know, it's a company, it's a studio that decided to do this. But like, let's say it were Luke Cage, right? Right. And China is like, black people are the worst. No, thank you. And so they cast a white person as Luke Cage. Or Black Panther, for that matter. Let's say what. Let's say Black Panther weren't for from Wakanda. He were from, he was from some actual African nation that China had a problem with. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, Black Panther was not from that nation and not black. That'd that would be bad. A, that'd be a problem, right? Yeah. Why is that more important than this?
0: It's well, I mean, it's not, but to them because this is like they're making movies for America too and there's no way they could do that race swap
1: but they can do it with asian people because that's okay. No, it's I'm not, not saying okay. you, I know I, I know you don't financially
0: okay. yes it's a yes financially but that is okay.
1: And culturally it's more okay. I mean this is what so like actor the actress Constance Wu who I really love uh, who's on the TV show Fresh Off the Boat? You know, she was talking about the ghost in the shell, but she was talking, she was like, I don't want to call it yellow face anymore because it doesn't seem to, you know, have the impact. So I want to call it Asian blackface because blackface is like shocking to people and yellow face, people don't care because the culture isn't in a place, our culture isn't in a place where it matters as much. It, I think that's just, I think that's just probably true. That the whitewashing of Asian characters doesn't matter as much to the general culture yet, and I think it probably should. Yeah. All, all that all of that soapbox is to say that I'm excited for Doctor Strange. <laughs> I think Tilda Swinton will be amazing. Um. But I, you know, I do think that was a poor choice on on Marvel's behalf to do that.
0: Well, I mean, it's good to get outraged, but I think the Hollywood attitude is exactly the attitude we saw on display of last on last year's Oscars, which was, oh, we're getting in trouble for being mean to black people, let's make fun of asian people. And that's now the hill to climb. So everybody right. has to yell and, about that.
1: And I like I I mean, I know you're not directly talking to me. I don't like the the word outrage. I think it sounds dismissive, like, uh, that there's no thought behind it. Um, But I think pushback, like, reason to pushback um, versus just, you know, getting knee-jerk outraged at, at any single thing that you see. Do you know?
0: Well, yeah, and I think that's, or at least that's what I'm trying to promote here, is I'm not saying that, like, I'm happy with any of the decisions that are made, but when you're talking to people about making it, don't treat them all like crazy racists because they're not, they have people making like three times as much of them leaning on them to make as much money as possible. Well, I don't fucking uh, capitalism.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, if if you're out there and you're calling out the screenwriter of Dr. Strange for being racist, like that's factually inaccurate, but I think you can say the institution, the, the Marvel as an institution without ascribing a person to it, Marvel as an institution made a decision that, you know, respecting, I guess is what the word I'm going to say. Respecting this group of people is less important than their bottom line. Yeah,
0: that's accurate. So, all
1: right. Anything else? (laughs) Okay. And non in non race bending news. uh, I think Mads Mikkelsen also made his debut in the trailer Uh, we had seen like a set photo of him with some goop around his eyes. And I I was worried that that goop was just like for the eye holes of some terrible mask that was coming, but it looks like it's just eye goop and nothing else. Yeah. Uh, Dave, what do you, what do
0: you think of this? Ooh, I think a lot of things, maybe we should hit it, hit it up at a spoiler thing at the end. No, okay, I don't think we need to. Okay. Um, he's a guy that's, um, I think he's called, uh, Casilius in the comics. It's one of those weirdly spelled names. I'm going to message it to you now and you see if I've like said this horribly. Uh, that's how
1: I would pronounce it. All right. Cacilius. Cacilius.
0: Yeah. He's going to be like a disciple of like the bad people. And I believe his uh, all fellow disciples will also have similar eye makeup. So the raccoon eye is some some evil power. Okay. Anyway, but it's fun because it's not <laughs> barren. It's not a dramatic move like I thought it would be. He's not like this big evil hell spirit. He's a thing. He's a, yeah, he's a dude. He's,
1: he's a thing with with features that articulate, which is also true of, of Zemo in uh, Civil War. So you know, I'm going to pretend that Marvel has been listening to my complaints about excessive goop on faces. And,
0: uh, well, certainly face coup, but also this movie has like a four New York dimension unfolding, so it might be pretty pretty CG heavy there.
1: Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I liked the Inception stuff. I thought it was cool.
0: I thought it looked really cool. The yeah. whole
1: trailer, so. the
0: kaleidoscope church or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it looks
1: great. Uh, my biggest complaint. <laughs> After that long conversation we just had, but my biggest complaint really is Benedict Cumberbatch's accent, which I find very distracting. And I would have just let him be British, personally.
0: So. You know what somebody pointed out to me, and now I can't unhear is it sounds like Hugh Laurie's house, almost yeah, exactly. And it's yeah. like, oh no, this is just were, what it's... house. And now, now I know who I want cast in Doctor Strange too.
1: I mean, I, I think that people think that yeah, it's it's what British, how British actors are trained. Certain brush accents are trained to sound American.
0: It's Just me, Stephen, your travel. father. <laughs> How strange.
1: <laughs> oh, I'd watch a House strange movie.
0: <laughs> they're both doctors, but they're both brilliant and can't perform surgery anymore.
1: Does it, does Dr. Gregory House says he can't perform surgery
0: because of his oh, no, he, prob- he probably can, but he'd, okay. be, he'd be old. And they need something to... Oh, my, maybe he's his hands... He's his hands. Yeah, so like old old Dr. Strange Gregory House needs to help Dr. Strange do surgery because Dr. Strange will be, need hands. All
1: right. You heard it here first, Marvel. Please put House Strange uh, in Dr. Strange 2. You could call it Strange House. <laughs> or like Dr. Strange colon House Calls or something like that. Ooh. I Ooh. Think, uh, house Calls. <laughs> um all right we're also gonna we're gonna talk about a tv show really quickly i quickly i already did this on the station agents podcast if you listen to that but i'm just gonna put in one more bid for the iZombie finale which featured mashbox Mashbox 20s rob thomas um rob thomas is also the name of the guy who created veronica mars and iZombie uh so there was a lot of great comedy around that they killed Rob Thomas. They ate his brains. It was great. This show is so good. It's just getting better, and I think I really want everyone to catch up. We don't really have summer breaks anymore for TV, but let's pretend we did. And we kind of do, because, like, you know, your your comic book shows, your flashes, your, your arrows are about to go on, on summer hiatus. So catch up on iZombie. This, this is my strong recommendation for you, based on a comic book that is not the greatest comic book, I think. But the show is, is fantastic. Yeah, so.
0: like Hunger Games.
1: Yeah. Well, some of the Hunger Games movies.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> okay. I'd, I'd <laughs> t- yeah. Uh, all right.
1: <laughs> but before it goes on hiatus, uh, what's going on with The Flash, Dave? You watched I Did Not. What do you want to tell us?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's back from hiatus, as a matter of fact. This is episode 18 that's leading into, like, a, what is it, a 23-episode series they have? So we're back from all the crap We had a crossover with Supergirl, which was not that was fun crap. We had to yeah yeah we had to lead into you know all Legends of Tomorrow, which was various degrees of crap, and we had to pretend Jay Garrick was somebody else, which had various levels of crap, and then we had a time travel episode after a long break, and then another long break, and so now finally back to Zoom, and uh, Team Flash is like all aware that uh, Jay Zoom. And they figure out a way to get Cisco to, like, pull on his reverb powers to, like, open up a portal. And Zoom comes back and demands Barry's speed. And they have to give it to him because of the whole thing with Wally. Uh, I just feel like... Like, after talking about how Zoom could be, you know, in two places at once and kill himself and be, like, a threat to the Flash, they like... Mm-hmm since we stopped talking about Flash on this podcast to now, I like our version of what was supposed to happen so much better than what's been happening. It's just been... (laughs)
1: This is the problem we run into on our other podcast, Storm of Spoilers, where we plot out the season of Game of Thrones and it's always more exciting to us than what actually happens on screen.
0: Right. So we have this cool like uh, 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 prestige thing Pres- going on yeah. where Jay was working with Hunter Zolomon, but it turns out that's not it at all. He, the one he killed was a time remnant of himself that he you know, like convinced to allow zoom to kill it's so convoluted but i guess the key thing being that it's a time remnant which is something that was alluded to earlier this season and then i think what that means is if zoom's been playing around in time and we spent so much time establishing a time wraith that we're looking at some sort of climax that includes a time wraith which is wait so i'm confused so
1: barry barry was like haunted by a time wraith that looked like a dementor but are you saying that there are time wraiths that can just look like a human or there's a difference between a time wraith and a time remnant
0: no i think okay so a time remnant is something that's like out of a timeline it's like leftover like an echo like um uh Anybody who's caught in the time loop that was created in season one exists within that loop, and if you were to take them out of that loop, so if Barry would have traveled back in time and taken Harrison Wells from the past into the future, that Harrison Wells would have been a time remnant because he's on the timeline past his death on that timeline.
1: Okay, okay.
0: So what Zoom did is traveled to some point in time, got a version of himself, put him in a room, and is like, in order for us to steal the Flash's speed, I need to kill you while they're all watching and then like kills that version of himself, which seems fine. So, the only reason I'm putting the so like the time remnant thing together with the Time Wraith is why introduce a Time Wraith at all and then have this convoluted time remnant thing if the Time Wraith isn't going to come back around because Zoom's been messing with time all of a sudden?
1: It's confusing.
0: It is confusing. I'm
1: going to have to watch the episode, but I'm disappointed that they would lean so convoluted in their explanation.
0: Here's another thing that is needlessly convoluted. We see the Flash jump into Supergirl and then jump out of Supergirl at the very beginning. And he goes back to Star Labs. And then like two scenes later, they're lamenting the fact that they don't have a way to jump in between worlds. And I'm like, Barry, bring up the fact that you just met Supergirl. And he does not bring it up. It is such a weird way to, like, connect the Supergirl plot to, like, Flash, where he's like, how long have I been gone? And they're like, you, were, you just beat your record time, like, less than a second. And he's like, oh, oh, that's cool. And I'm like, D- you were in another universe for, like, a couple of days.
1: This uh, is, like, when Angel would go, well, they would talk about it, but Angel would go visit Buffy and then, like, come back and not really talk about it.
0: Well, it was weird to have that in, in the same episode where the problem is we need to get to another universe and have him not bring up that entire experience where he jumped into another universe.
1: That's so weird. Yeah. All right. So the Flash is maybe taking a troubling convoluted turn. We'll see. I mean, the Flash is always in danger. We like the Flash. We're not, you know, jumping off the Flash or anything like that. But the Flash is always in danger of getting too convoluted. I think. Well, okay. Opportunities that it has time wise, universe wise. Here's the
0: most frustrating part. They're like, Barry at one point is like talking to Jay, who's like villain monologuing. And he's like, So who's the man in the iron mask? And Jay just looks at him and says, You wouldn't believe me if I told you. Ugh.
1: That's the worst. (laughs)
0: Okay.
1: Fifth Uh, Jay.
0: No. 17th Barry. (laughs) No. White Wally. (laughs)
1: Why? why? <laughs> um, all right. So that is the flash, and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna talk about actual physical paper comics or, or digital comics if you prefer. The Eisner Award nominations were announced this week with with record numbers of nomination. For female creators, these are the, you know, the the most prestigious awards for uh, comic books, the Eisner Awards. Um, and I wanted to give a shout out to a couple of my favorites that were on the list. Giant Days by John Allison, Lisa Tremaine and Max Sarin was nominated. Um And The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl by Ryan North and Erica Henderson, which is my only Marvel comic. Dave is still on a Marvel ban. I read one Marvel comic. It's that one. And Monstrous, uh, which you guys told me to read, uh, by Marjorie Liu and uh, Sana Takeda. Uh, That's my requisite image comic shout-out. So, uh, yeah, some great stuff on on the list entirely. Dave, was there anything on there that excited you?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's good to see stuff on the list that I have in my to-read pile, uh, even if, you know, I haven't actually gotten gotten to read them yet. But I'm especially excited to see the Spire on there, because it's the same guys that wrote uh, Six-Gun Gorilla, Simon Sproyer and Jeff... ooh, Star- ooh. And if you remember, I went on a rant about how much I love Six-Gun Gorilla. Yeah. And, boom, like, hooked me up on through Twitter with these guys. And they're like, you have to check out the Spire. I'm like, sold. And so it was sold, but I have not uh, actually started reading it yet. So the fact that it's already in the best limited series, Eisner category, is just, like, icing on top of the cake. And it also means that I have to keep, uh, you know, planning to eventually, after Trump either gets elected president or kicked out of uh, the nomination process, um, uh, read Silver Surfer by Dan Slott, because that shows up here a lot of places that I was not expecting it to. Uh, Other than that, uh, what is it? Over the Garden Wall is in, like, Best Book for Kids, which I also loved, so... Boom, the, basically all the Boom nominations I'm, I'm pretty much in favor of. I love Boom Studios. And then I started reading some monkey brain stuff back when they uh, did a big digital push and had some 99 cent issues. And I got all the bandette issues and I've been meaning to get past page two and never have. So now I have that extra motivation because they are being recognized as awesome.
1: Boom um, cleaned up at the Eisner Awards last year over a lot of the bigger uh, houses. Boom. Brought in a lot. Uh, so yeah. Keep an eye out. They do fun stuff. They do like Lumberjanes and I don't know what else they do. Some well, they of the stuff some that-
0: superhero stuff that I really liked. They had a, I think it was called Death Match, but it was a limited series about all the world's superheroes waking up in an alien death match, and they have to figure out why
1: um and giant days which i mentioned is boom and it's so it's such a great comic really just delightful so yeah so those are the eisner awards if there's anything on there that you think we should read you can always email us at bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com and did anything like huge breakout of emerald con that just happened like last week two weeks ago
0: Oh, I don't know. In, like, the world of comics, there's probably yeah. things. We're building up to... God damn, like, DC was...
1: announced their, their their huge reboot,
0: right? Right. The new... Or no, what, is, what is it called? 52... 52 <sighs> Something. And it, the, everything A whole bunch of stuff is getting number ones, except for Action Comics and Detective Comics, which are being restored mm-hmm. to their original numbering, basically, so they get to issue 1,000 the real awesome stuff about it is they've reshuffled all of their creators. Um, a lot more women behind characters that could use a touch of, uh, in this (laughs) uh, loop. So really looking forward to see what direction that comes, uh, brings the entire line, I think. And then I think Snyder, Scott Snyder, who wrapped up Batman in 50 issues, which I loved, and is now the sole location of a recognizable Batman in media on God's green earth, thanks the Killing Joke trailer for ruining animation. Um, <laughs> he's, Scott Snyder's is going to do All-Star Batman, which it can get really crazy, the All-Star label, but also could provide a really pure version of the character. So I'm already going to buy the shit out of All-Star Batman from Scott Snyder.
1: Yeah, should we talk about the killing joke getting an R rating? No, maybe.
0: I mean, we can. At some point, I'm just tired of talking about the killing joke, but we could talk about how it seems like another mistake. Well, I mean, I don't necessarily. I mean, we 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 already talked a lot about the killing joke on this podcast. You can go well, back when the, when this was announced. We debated right. all the things that you were immediately thinking. We debate.
1: Right, so I, I don't necessarily mean we should dive back into that, but I did watch like all the lengthy featurettes that they put online and stuff like that, and uh, it, you know it's interesting because it's, it's the Batman an- animated series. People are working on it. I love Batman the Animated Series. Even so, looking at the way that they translated the art, it's just, I mean, you could tell that they tried really hard to capture the spirit of the original book, but it, it's just flattened. And that's because it's different It's a different medium, obviously But um, I almost wish they hadn't tried to be so faithful Because then the differences wouldn't be as apparent Does that make sense at all?
0: Yeah, I mean, it. it's not well designed Because it's, like you said, it's trying to be recognizable And like the R rating is baffling Because I can't think of anything in that story Where making it more R would benefit it positively in any way so. Like so much there was Are they a piece, gonna show the explicit ending? I don't know. I mean they like, were they, they were there was a piece on I think Birth Movie's death about uh I think it was when Devin or Scott realized that uh Batman was supposed to like die at the end of the killing or Batman was supposed to kill the Joker at the, the end Joker, of the killing yeah. And it's, like, it's all about the joke that he tells and then the visual of the beam of light in the puddle being, like, about the joke. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, all of that is just so much about the interplay between, like, words and light. Like, why add, like, a shot of Batman, like, shoving his fist through the Joker or anything? It's, like, it's not... Why make, you know, Professor... or Why make uh, Commissioner Gordon's you know, psychological torture more horrific? Like, what's what's gained by any of this?
1: Okay. Um, I'm worried to even guess, you know, beyond a more explicit ending, what they would put in. We do know that they've got Barbara Gordon as Batgirl, which is not in the book, in the film, and, and they listening to them talk about it was really funny because i want to believe them that they of their own true minds and hearts were like we really felt like barbara should be fleshed out but it, it feels like a preventative measure of people who responded poorly to the killing joke as a book responding the same way to the filmed version
0: I mean, I would love if this is, like, a huge trolling thing where they're, you know, blowing the dog whistle to get all the weirdos out that are, like, want this, and then they end up actually doing what they're saying they're going to do. but it's, like, even stuff like the press release being, like, super psyched that they're, like, in the face of the MPA, we're going to leave it at R, And it's, like, you guys had to stretch to get there in the first place. This isn't, like, denial <laughs> or counterculture this is saying that you're making this for people who interpret the killing joke in a certain way, and you're marketing it directly to them, and whatever it ends up being, those are the people that are going to end up seeing it. It's like, why to make an R-rated Batman anything, even if it's like something that's this controversial? You're just, their audience is narrowing and narrowing, which just seems weird. But, I mean, like, it's nice to have Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill doing those characters again. Maybe there'll be some, you know, YouTube clips worth watching every once in a while.
1: Yeah, I mean, though, you know, I really do recommend you guys watch the... I think it was IGN that hosted the featurette. I could be wrong. But the whole, you know, it's like 15 minutes almost, I think, 12, 15 minutes of behind the scenes. It's really fun to see these, you know, hear them talk about Mark Hamill and the voice he uses for the Joker. To, if you were a fan of the Batman, the animated series, to see all these actors sort of back behind the mic. It, you know, it's it's great. It's great. So I, I don't know what the finished product, you know, I think we should wait to judge it until we see it. But um, I'm apprehensive at best. So, <laughs> um, and then lastly, Dave caught up with Agent Carter. I did. And what did you think, Dave?
0: Uh, there was a lot that I liked about this season. A uh, much stronger villain than the first season. Not just sexism, but yes. sexism and a villain. Yes. Uh I liked the council I kept thinking that they were going to imply that it ended up being I believe the pride which is the uh like secret cabal that of supervillains that rules LA in the Runaways comic series uh but they didn't but that's okay just having a weird council They're always good uh, and then I like that just when I thought the series was going to go up its own butt with stuff I didn't even want to watch, it broke out in a musical number that was based on a love triangle. <laughs> I was like, oh, hey, show. There you go. <laughs> way, to, way to bring back, like, a really dense, weirdly plotted ep- series of episodes, because was like, uh, around like two thirds into the season, all of a sudden they shoot Mrs. Jarvis and it's just... It's, Ugh,
1: Yeah. It got real dark. Um, the yeah, and it, it didn't
0: need to, which was
1: really weird. The problem I had with that love triangle is that one arm of it, one leg of it, was so weak. And I'm not talking about the guy on crutches. Um, that... It, it, it Like, like I... Well, I'm already in the tank for Enverge, okay, but... Um, <sighs> The The new guy, I, like, there's a point in the season where he disappears, and I just wanted him to stay, <laughs> disappeared. <laughs> personally, so... Well, it's yeah.
0: really one-sided in the sense that you don't really get that much from his performance. They don't have, like, a ton of chemistry. Right. But at least in the mechanics of telling a story about people who are in love, he's there in those scenes. So I'm meant to believe there is a love triangle.
1: Yes, he is a human... Ish thing that was there. Peggy Carter
0: seems (laughs) to be choosing between the married man and the ghosts.
1: Well, I didn't know why Peggy Carter was interested in him, but there you go.
0: So. He's smart and a doctor,
1: he's very handsome. Like. Yeah, a smart, handsome doctor with zero charisma in my opinion. So.
0: I like that basically because she has to be in love with Captain America her entire life. They just give her the least Captain America love interests that they possibly can. Like a cripple guy and a black man. Get it get on in there.
1: Is is she supposed to be still in love with Steve?
0: Well, I mean, S- Steve needs to think so.
1: Okay. Like in Winter
0: Soldier. I'm just he saying she's old. We know she has, like, kids. That's sad for
1: Peggy. Yeah, she has a whole life. I would just want to imagine her having a whole life and then not being just, like, sad about Steve all the time.
0: Well, I mean, she said some of that in the season about, like, you know, that's the consequence of what she does. She has to deal with a lot of loss. So I have no doubt that she deals with it. And she's eventually one of the founding members of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. As we know it. So, like... not just moping yeah there's still a chance for like an 80s Peggy Carter movie as we saw in Ant-Man which would be sweet Uh, but uh, yeah I don't know I I liked it as I liked that this tone the tone of the second season better which makes me sad there probably won't be a third season but like man the further things can get from feeling like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. these days the the better for me yeah that's true
1: all right is there anything else we want to talk about spoiler or
0: otherwise
1: no that's a resounding no
0: Oh, um, i mean uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about all of it once civil war comes out because yeah, we'll yes talk- there's yes there's a lot i want to talk about joanna yes. but i shouldn't and i
1: told i told davy wasn't allowed to spoil it so we will talk about it all when i once i've seen civil war and we can all chat about it um, until then, Dave,
0: where can people find your work? Uh, you could find my writing at geek.com, latino-review.com. You could follow me on Twitter at DA7E, or find all the podcasting stuff at fightinginthewarroom.com.
1: I'm Joanna Robinson. You can find me most days on vanityfair.com. You can follow me on Twitter at JoeWroteThis, and you can hear the two of us talking about crazy Game of Thrones theories on A Storm of Spoilers, which you will find... And the finding the worm in place that Dave just mentioned. Um Until then, we will see you later.
0: Bye! All seven and we we'll watch them fall. They stand in the way of love and we will smoke them all with an intellect and a savoir fair. No one in the whole universe. Together we'll love through all space and time, so don't cry, one day all seven will